to Nonprofit Lowdown. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. In this podcast, I recommend a book, tool, tip, podcast, or resource that has helped me to build a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. I've done the research, so you don't have to. Let's get started. Hi, podcast listeners. Here today with my dear friend, Kelly Perkins, and we're here to talk about graceful transitions out of executive director roles. Kelly, like myself, transitioned out of her organization, the Read Alliance, after 14 years total. And both of us are going to talk today about how to transition out gracefully and to set up the organization for success so that it lives and thrives beyond your tenure. So, Kelly, welcome to the pod. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about the Read Alliance and your tenure there. Sure. So as you mentioned, I was there for 14 years. I started in program and worked my way through program for eight years before the board tapped me to be the next executive director. And what are you doing now and when did you leave Rita Lens? Left in July and I took the rest of the summer off. I think that's one of the things that I would advise, if at all possible, to build in time for yourself. Uh, Whether you've been in the role for 14 years or four years, I think it's important to just make that transition and take time. And so I took the summer off, and I happily accepted a job with a small family foundation, which I started in September. And so that's what I've been doing since then. Wonderful. So let's talk about your tenure as executive director for six years. I mean, you were instrumental in growing Read Alliance to the point that it is. I mean, you've added hundreds of kids to the program. How did you know it was time to go? When I when I became executive director, uh, the organization was in a really difficult place uh, financially, and in all honesty, there were conversations about where are we where do we go from here? Do we merge? Do we shut down? Is there a way back? And so I was asked to help the board figure that out. Um, and I felt very strongly that the answer was we can come back from this. And so I spent five years building the organization back to be really healthy and strong in every way. And once I had done that, I really felt like and knew I did what I was asked to do. I did what I knew I could do. And it's time for the organization to go to the next level. Frankly, I was tired after building it back up and knew that the organization needed someone with a new vision and new energy to take it there. When you say take it to the next level. Was it, I, I know it was sort of an energy issue, but was it also with skills? Or- I could see where it needed to go. I think I believed that I didn't necessarily have the skills to take it there. Um, I didn't, I also don't think that I really wanted to go there. And I think that was the hard part, right? It's like I knew what needed to happen. I didn't have the will and energy to do it, but I wanted it so badly for the organization and it deserved it. The the staff deserved it. The kids deserved it. uh, The board deserved it. And it was time for me to step out of the way. Let me pause. For me, I feel like emotionally I was, I was done before I actually said it out loud. Yes. And so how long was that period for you? I would say at the end of year four of being executive director, there started to be signs, and it took me another year to really get there, Um, and then I took a full year to transition, and, you know, not everybody knew about it, and I'm sure we'll talk about, like, timing of it all, Um, but 
I spent, you know, my last year as executive director preparing to leave. Uh, So yeah, it was, it was after the fourth year where the signs were there, but I wasn't ready to say it. So what were the signs? When I became executive director and I said earlier that I really believed that we could come back, I had set a goal for myself and for the organization that it was going to take three years. And so I was on this track for three years of, okay, this is what we need to do over the next three years to course correct. And we did that after within about three years. Um, And so then the fourth year was just awesome, right? Because it's like we did it. We were thriving. uh, um, And so we were really able to start pushing forward. We we weren't struggling. And that fourth year, um, third into fourth year was fun. Um, And so I wanted to experience that. Right, experience the fruits of my labor. Um, and fourth year, it was like, okay, I did what I did what I wanted to do. I feel really good about where things are, and I think I also figured out along the way that I like figuring things out. Like it wasn't as fun for me to just maintain. And along the way, you were also raising two small kids. I had a baby. Uh, <laughs> so when I became executive director, I had a fourteen-month-old. Um, and then I had my second son, um, when I had been in the role for about two years. This might be a little personal, but to what extent did you feel like your obligations in your family life also led to your decision to transition out? 2018, so much happened for me, both professionally and personally. I left this organization that I loved and still do and had been with for so long. Um, My family and I also moved to the suburbs. And so there was a lot going on for me. And it all just kind of happened at the same time. I wouldn't necessarily say that my husband and I set out to say, like, this is all going to happen in the same year. Uh, But when I started signs started pointing towards me leaving. It was like, oh, this could actually be really great for me personally um, to help my family make this transition, help my kids change schools, uh, you know, get used to a different lifestyle. So the timing of leaving the organization happened to be at a really good time for me personally. So let's talk about the timeline. So you said that you had prepared for a year to leave, Mm -hmm. but Walk me through kind of the main milestones of that year. So the first thing was saying it out loud, right? I'm, I'm going to leave, and I really mean it, right? It wasn't like, should I leave? Am I going to leave? When am I going to leave? I'm going to leave, and now I need to prepare. And so was making a list. I'm, I love lists. And so it was making a list, making spreadsheets. Like, okay, I, if I set out in this one year time span to leave the organization, what needs to be in order? I mean, I'm, I feel like I could quote you to you during this podcast. And I, I loved one of the things that you said when we were both in the midst of this about getting your house in order to get it ready to sell. Yeah. Right. Like that's what this is in some way. It, it feels like that. Right. So making the list of all the things that you need to get in order before mm-hmm. you can pass it along to the next person. And so I spent probably three to four months in that first year really figuring out, like, what do I want to be where? What staff things needs, you know, are are there any staff changes that I need to make right now? Um, Some of those I was able to have control over. Of course, life is what it is. And so I had one of my top people uh, resign before I had announced. I knew I was leaving, but no one else knew. Uh, That was not in my plan. So I had to take a step back and and figure that out. So it was, where does the staff staffing need to be? What do we need to be doing financially? Where, Where do I want the board to be? At what point am I still recruiting board members? And at what point do I need to 
stop because I won't be the ED to be with those new board members. So it was taking stock of where things are, where things were, where I wanted them to be. And once I had made those lists and spreadsheets, it was about, okay, now what's the communication plan for all of this, which is a huge part of doing this gracefully. I want to dig into that, but before we dig into that when you say saying it out loud was did you say it a year before mm-hmm. you I did and I you did said the summer board. before no not my board oh it, you just said it to yourself my inner circle oh yeah got it, got it. not including anyone I it was at this uh with seven months left to go so five months into it is when I started talking to some board members and you know it's saying it out loud initially was myself mm-hmm. and then my inner circle Walk me through the communications timeline because I agree with you. It has to be really thoughtful and it has to be, the cadence has to be right. And yet we also know juicy information like that tends to get out maybe sooner than we wanted to. So talk to me about what that looked like. I think this is one of the, if not one of the most critical step in all of this, because I really wanted to make sure that I did not jeopardize anything for the organization, especially financially. You know, I didn't want to lose funders over this. I didn't want to lose board members over this. I'd worked so hard and the team had worked so hard to get things where they were. I didn't want there to be fallout. And so being very intentional about who to talk to, when to talk to them. Is it in person? Is it over the phone? Um, Is it a formal letter? You know, what does that look like? And it's different for everyone. Again, spreadsheets, uh, you know, who are all your different stakeholders is the first step of it. And then what is the plan? And so I went to the board chair and our founders first, uh, you know, that I'd known for as long as I'd been at the organization which was tricky because some people might have situations like I did where not everybody lives in the tri-state area Mm. um, or they go between here and somewhere else. So finding time to be with them in person, which is definitely what needed to happen in those particular cases, was tricky. So that's where I started. And, you know, I, I actually wrote out a script. I, of course, did not read it with people, either in person or on the phone, but I practiced what I was going to say, and I stayed on message. That's another thing is figuring out what you're going to say. Why are you leaving? People will, you know, why are you leaving? Um, are there things a board member they want to know? Or should we be concerned about things? You know, are you not happy? Is there something more we can do? So being prepared for why, why you're leaving was something that I put a lot of time into. And then being prepared, right? Going to them and saying like, here is my timeline. Like I laid out a plan for them, a transition plan for them. I was Mm -hmm. ready to tell them what the next six months could look like if they wanted to. And that was another piece of advice that was given to me. I can make a plan for you, but if I give you this news and you decide that you don't like my plan, I have to be okay with you saying, nope, we're going to go this way. In my case, I was really fortunate that everybody was very supportive of the plan that I provided and wanted to stick to it pretty much to the letter. So that was great. But really being prepared with why you're leaving, what the plan is, what is the plan for your successor, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, as a board member and as a funder and as the staff, they all want to know that. Mm-hmm. So what was the communication after so it was the board was it board staff funders founders and the board chair and then what I had proposed to them which is what I ended up doing was to set up over the course of one week Mm -hmm. phone calls and in-person meetings depending on who the board members were and I think this is where you have to really know your relationship with people and what will work and also how can you do this in a 
short amount of time because, as you said earlier, you risk it getting out. And so once you open that bag, you've got to be ready to run. And so it was telling all of my board members over the course of the week. And then it was having a board meeting. So I timed it around when my board meeting was going to be so that I had told everyone before they got into the boardroom. I laid out my plan to the full board. And the next day I started a full week of meeting with and phone calls with all of our funders. I shouldn't say all, all the ones where they needed to hear from me personally, either in person or by phone. This is another place where you need to segment how you're going to communicate. And so it was telling all of the funders. And at the end of all of these messages, I was saying to these stakeholders, please allow me to be the one to tell. Like, here's who knows. That's one thing. Like, here's who knows to date. Here's the next group of people who will know. In the case of telling my funders, it was my team. And making sure that I really impressed upon everyone. I feel like you can't assume anything in this process. You might assume that people should not tell other people, but I made a point to tell everyone at the end of a conversation, please let me be the one to tell, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Main one being, I don't want to lose staff. I don't want to lose board. I don't want to lose funders. If I, if I can help it in quick succession, once the full board knew, then it was tell the funders, tell the staff, and then put out a letter. Right. I think one of the things that I, I'm glad that I did it is when I did reach out to funders, I also asked them to make a commitment for the next year uh-huh. in order to help the new person transition in. And, and I think a lot of them did that out of the relationship that I had built and the organization um, and wanting the health and our outcomes to remain strong. So I that's think wise. That's, that's wise. Yeah. I didn't do that directly. I would mm-hmm. say I took a more indirect route by where I could, um, with my development director going and meeting with key funders and in, in an unspoken way, asking that question, mm-hmm. you, you, you put it right out there. And I think that's wise. So let's talk about letting staff know. Cause actually for me, that was the most oh, difficult, the hardest, so hard. Right? I was in my office crying before I went in to talk to them. Yeah. So talk about that. What was the messaging there and what was the response that you got? There were a few people on the team where I brought them into my office one-on-one to tell them the day before I told the full team, mm. because knowing those particular people, I felt like if they found out in the group, it was going to be damaging to the relationship. And potentially, again, right, my motivation is I want as many people and funding to stay on. So I was trying to figure out how to mitigate risk there. Um, Those individual conversations were really hard because I'm just sitting face to face with these people and telling them that I'm leaving. And then it was going in and telling the team. And so one of the things that I love about about being an ED is the opportunity to pull the team together and, you know, be motivational and be inspirational. So here I was with an opportunity to bring together my team and they're so used to me using props and using video and, and various ways to boost them up. They came in thinking that it was a meeting like that and not because I was trying to pull one over on them, but that's just what they were used to. It was a similar message to what I had given to the board and to our funders. I will back up for one second and say it was really critical that I had shared it with a few people within the organization because I felt their support. They knew what was coming, and I felt their support as I told the rest of the team, which selfishly was really important for me, which I didn't even know because it was hard. It was hard to face all of them. One of the things that I set out to do, which we were really successful in doing is uh, when I left, you know, on a team of 12 people, 
four of those people were former tutors, tutors that had been in the program when I was a program staff person. So I'd known some of these people since they were teenagers. It was hard. It yeah. was really hard to face these people and say, I am leaving. Yeah. Uh, and try to say it in a way that wasn't just about me, it, you know, like make it about the organization and about their places within the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and with a promise that I put out there that I didn't fully know, right? Like, you'll be okay. The organization will be okay. I mean, I had done everything I thought that would make that possible, but I wasn't going to be there to see that through. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when you say that because I had the same situation. Some of my staff members were my students, and so I'd known them since they were 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's hard. It's really know? hard. It feels like this big emotional weight that you're carrying. Yeah, yeah. So, and another piece I'll say about yeah. that um, is making yourself available. Once mm-hmm. you've delivered this news, people need to walk away and process it. And, and a message that I delivered was to say, take take time. This is really big news. Go process it. I am here for you, as mm-hmm. I always have been. I also intend to be here for the next six months. Mm-hmm. I am fully in it. Me saying that I'm leaving doesn't mean that I'm checked out, right? right. Like, I am fully in it till the minute I walk out that door right. uh, for the organization and for you. So, yeah. you know, come to me. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I have a very visceral memory of walking out the door the very last time. And it felt kind of like the end of a movie, you know, oh. when you're like the epic music sure. swelling in your head. You're like, this is the last time I'm going to walk is the out. I know it's time. so dramatic, right? I, know. I mean, I, I, the day before and the day of, I cried on my way to and from work being like, this is the last time I'm going to do this. This is the last mm-hmm. time I'm going to do this, right? It was it was a lot. Yeah. I, I think I got a little emotional. I'm like, this is the last time I'm going to use this water cooler. I, that's <laughs> what I mean. The last everything. Yeah. The last everything. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the process of finding a successor because I know there's a lot of there are a lot of opinions as there always are about the best way to go about it. I know you and I have both hired an outside recruiting firm to find our successor. Yes. And so my question to you is is that something that you would recommend and also how involved were you in that process? Well, part of my transition plan w- that I presented to the board was the finding of a successor and my recommendation to them was, listen, I've got at this point a great network. I would love to open up that network and be as helpful as I can in finding candidates. And so all of my communication to stakeholders happened in January. And in Feb- I spent the month of February working my network and meeting with people, either people I knew directly that I thought could be awesome candidates, and then also talking to my network and saying, who do you know that would be awesome or in- interested in this role? And so meeting new people that would potentially be candidates. And so at the end of February, I delivered to my board eight candidates through that process. Uh, they, I had Part of my plan was to present to them that they consider hiring a recruiting firm. I was on the fence about it at first because I felt like, wow, I have a great network. I think I could probably source this person. In the end, I am so glad that my board hired a recruiting firm because while it's true and so happens that thanks to Rhea, the, um, my network, uh, the, the successor um, came through through you, through my network. But the actual details of the interview process and all of that, I am happy and relieved that I was not in that on a day-to-day. It mm-hmm. was really, I think, important. I know important for my board to feel like they had this search firm working for them. 
I think it was good for the team to know that that was happening. And so it was good that I was not part of the start to finish. Yeah, I totally agree with you because I, I know even though it's a pretty hefty cost, I think ultimately you have to work with somebody and make the board feel that they own the decision yes. because the worst thing that could happen is that you're deeply involved with the search and the hiring and it becomes your hire. Yes. And so if it's a person who ends up being successful, then it's like, oh, well, it's because Kelly handpicked that person. And if it's a person who doesn't work out, it's like, oh, it's Kelly's fault because she right. picked that person. Right, right. A hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. But I also think as EDs, it's really hard to step back and take our hands off the wheels. It is so hard. And I think, you know, once I made it public that I was leaving, I had to be very intentional every day to let go of my ego Mm -hmm. and not make it about me and be prepared to have people not like a suggestion that I made or Mm -hmm. have it not be about me. I mean, so much of, you know, we're in nonprofit because we, is we want to do good and we want to help others, but you're in this leadership role where you are the face of an organization. And when you put those two together, they don't always mix. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you, you just become the person, you become the organization. And so that unwinding of that, that happens when you give yourself enough time to make this transition is really critical for you as a person. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because there, there is an undoing process for me as an example. Like I was a student who came up through the program and then I was a teacher and then I was the ED. And so it didn't exist outside of who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from a funder standpoint as well and a PR standpoint, like you are the brand. Right. And so separating that can be, can be a tough thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the process of finding a successor. How long did that take and how, how did they transition in? Like I said, in February, I tapped my network to find candidates. The search firm, it took the board longer to hire the search firm than they had wanted. One of the things that I recommended and they did was to, of course, create a search committee of board members. Mm -hmm. But even getting those four people together with their busy lives, this is a really involved process. It takes a lot of time. And so... Even making the decision about the search firm to hire and them getting on the same page and then presenting it to the board took a while. That probably did not happen until April. So there was some time lost there. And then they started, of course, with the candidates that I turned over to the search firm. And then the search firm provided candidates as well. But then that also, I mean, you're hiring for the head of an organization. It's not a one interview and done type Mm -hmm. of thing. So that took a while. So they ended up making the offer in June end of May, beginning of June. And then that person was in a role, in a leadership role. So she needed to give a reasonable amount of notice. So, you know, let's, in the end, that's really not a lot of time. Let's say if they hired the search firm in March or April and made a hire end of May, June, not a lot of time. Yeah. I think mine actually took longer in part because I started, I let my board know in June when I was leaving in December, but as we all know, summer is just like lost. And so right. they ended up, they were in the final stages in December. And I think they made an offer. I want to say January. And because again, she was in a leadership role, 
she didn't actually start until March. So, you know, which is all to say that the takeaway is that it, it takes longer than you think it's going to take. It does. It does. I mean, I think in the scheme of things, like the search for my successor was relatively short, mm-hmm. but you need to be prepared. And I, when I told my board I was leaving, I said, I'm, you know, June 30th is my, is my date. And that's another thing I would say, give a date. When are you leaving? Right? Like it's not, I'm leaving next year. Like maybe initially, like if you want, right. Some people do a much longer transition. It's like, okay, we've got this strategic plan for the next three years. And part of this plan is that I'm going to be leaving. And so they give notice much earlier on whatever it is. I think at some point you have to be concrete on what that date is. And so I told my board June 30th is my date. As it got closer and they were down to the final two candidates and it was getting to be June, did go to my board chair and say, listen, I am planning to take the rest of the summer off, but I can stay around for a couple of weeks if it's a matter of being available to cover a gap. You know, I didn't want the organization to be without leadership. And I also wanted, if at all possible, to help the new person transition in. Mm -hmm. And so what was the overlap? So we ended up only having about two weeks of overlap. I mm-hmm. stayed on. She had a vacation plan. Da, da, da. So uh, I stayed on for an extra two weeks. And during that time, she and I were we worked together. Um, you know, she was cro- she was straddling her old position and coming over to read for that first week. And then the second week, we were together like twenty four seven. What? sort of documents or information did you leave behind in order to help her transition? Again, I mean, I feel like a broken record spreadsheet. So (laughs) part of that first three to four months was me, what do I need to leave, right? Like I had been at the organization for so long. Not only did I have the role of executive director and what all of that entails, I had a lot of historical knowledge. And so it was incumbent upon me to figure out how to transfer all of that. I just kept both a Word document and a spreadsheet, depending on what the substance was. Anytime I thought of something, I really tried to put myself in the mind frame of, I'm leaving. Is this something that somebody else needs to know? So I would just document it. And it was messy, you know, at first because I was just throwing it into something, but it was a matter of getting it somewhere to then clean it up and and leave for her so that she could refer back to it and you know, we we talk on a somewhat regular basis and she has said that she she refers to those documents as a guide for her it, it's interesting i i think it also provided me with an opportunity to force people to clean house yes. so like our our online file system was a mess and mm-hmm. so Knowing that this transition was happening, it actually prompted the team to go through the files, organize it, and get naming conventions as just an example. So I think there's there's opportunity to force you to clean house. Absolutely. No, it's great. It's great. I love cleaning out clutter. <laughs> you and Marie Kondo. It's so funny. We have actually had an episode about the life-changing magic of tidying up. Yeah, it's pod. amazing. Tell me about anything that you think you did really well in some things that were lessons learned for you. The communication plan, I think prepare, prepare, prepare. Mm-hmm. Having all of those different, however you want to collect it, but who are your stakeholders? I mean, I had, because for the first six months of this, nobody else knew within the organization, I was keeping things in my personal, you know, my personal email, personal drive. So, but I was collecting like, who are the stakeholders? What are the, what's their email address? What's their phone number? Right. So I had all of this very handy 
that was such good advice that I was given because, as I said earlier, once you open that can of worms, you got to be ready to go, and you don't want to be struggling with, wait, what is this? What's the email address? What's the phone number? Like when you sit down to make back-to-back phone calls to funders, you want to have all your information right there. Mm-hmm. So the communication plan, I would say, I was guided on how to do it. I followed what I was given, and it worked out beautifully. I got to think about it. It's not, I'm sure that there are things that I would have done differently. I got to think about what, what that would be because I made sure to ask those who'd done it, mm-hmm. what lessons they had learned mm-hmm. so that I could hopefully learn from that, Yeah, which was a good thing for me. I, I benefited from, from your transition that had happened six months before mine and a couple of others. So I was, I was well prepped. I think one thing that we haven't talked about, which I think sort of implied, is that it's important to leave the organization at a really strong point. Yes. And so, I mean, I've certainly heard horror stories about new EDs coming in and realizing that they were about to drop off a physical cliff or mm-hmm. there's a big, you know, staff crisis or whatever it is. And so I think the importance of leaving things in a good place cannot be stressed enough. I think you're so right about that. And I, when I was telling one of my board members that I was leaving, I was having this conversation with him and he says, everything's so good. Why would you leave now? And I said, that's exactly why I want to leave now. This is exactly the organization where it is right now is where I want it to turn Mm -hmm. over. And I remember meeting with candidates who were suspicious, Yeah, right? Like, because I was part of the interview. I was not the only part, but I was part of the interview process for ED candidates. And they were suspicious of like, why would you leave? Things are so good. Like you can just ride this wave. Yeah. Uh, But you're so right. I mean, that was one of my goals. And one of those signs of why I knew it was time to go was because things were so good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to hand over to somebody. It's funny. I was thinking about when I was younger, I I used to go camping a lot. And the rule with camping is you always leave the campground better than you found it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope I'm not telling tales out of school, but your successor happens to be a mutual friend of ours. And we... I don't, th- I don't think this is out of school, but she, we had a drink and she's like, okay, well, tell me, tell me if there's something that's really, is there a skeleton in the closet? And I was like, no, it's actually like Kelly has clean house. It is great. It's, you know, plug and play. You're, you're ready to go. And as it turns out, I mean, we've had drinks since then and she's totally agreed. She's like, I can't believe the state that Kelly's left this. This is an amazing organization. It's wonderful to hear. Yeah. It's wonderful to hear. I mean, I'm not surprised that she would ask. I mean, she asked me the same thing. Yeah. Like, what skeletons are in the closet? And I'm really happy to hear that she, you know, is now saying that there really weren't any yeah. skeletons I mean, in the she, closet. I, she was very happy. So that's always good. I guess any last words of wisdom to EDs who are thinking about transitioning out? So one thing that I think you may not realize about the process if you're once you're considering it is when you're telling people that you're leaving you've had time to process that you're leaving but you have to be ready to accept their emotional response and i'm really happy to say that people were so gracious when i told them that i was leaving you know i had one board member say to me no one deserves this more than you mm-hmm. after all that you've done which you know really hit me in a wonderful way. But even that, right? Like you're here in this professional meeting, you're laying out this transition plan and you get hit with a really emotional compliment and you 
just need to allow yourself, one, to feel it, yeah. and two, to be on the receiving end of what other people's emotions are. And so I think you can't go into it lightly. I think there are certain personalities that are like, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to prepare, I've got all my you know ducks in a row, and I'm going to execute this plan. But you also have to allow the space for people to have their feelings about this. I'm seeing it to that because actually one of the things I remember is in the June board meeting when I announced that I was leaving, I actually, my board gave me a standing ovation, which... You didn't expect it. I did not expect it. It's fact, that kind of stuff yeah. where you can't, you don't, you don't know that it's coming, so you can't be prepared for it. And so I think, one, soak it in, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you've done a good job, then you deserve it. And right. we don't always get those compliments, right? Yeah. Like, we're just, we're just, there's a part of it where you're just expected to do an awesome job and to, to rock, be a rock star. And so take it in. Mm-hmm. I even, much easier when I, when I had phone calls, I had a notebook right next to me. And as best as I could, I would write down what people were saying mm. because I felt like I'm so in this right now and there's so much happening that I can't take it all in right now, but I want to be able to come back to it. Mm-hmm. And so capturing what people say for yourself to then go and, you know, what is life after being in this organization? Like, what is your identity? I think that you have to find a way if not in the moment, how later do you process everything that's happened? I'm still processing it. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a whole lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thanks this for having really me. Fun, and I'm so sure we'll fun. we'll have more conversations at a later date. Thank you.